Hi everyone, this is Christy Wolf. I'm a partner in Kelly Dry's Advertising and Food and Drug Groups, and I'm here today to talk about the hottest three letters going if you're following anything relating to consumer health this year, and that is C, B, and D, cannabidiol, which was the subject of a public meeting held by FDA on May 31st. This was the hottest ticket in Washington, D.C., for this past week. They literally had hundreds of petitions to speak and testify, and they were able to only grant, I think, 120 of those to people in various different categories, whether those were manufacturers, researchers, health professionals, trade associations, and other kinds of stakeholders. It was a fascinating day. Everyone who was selected to speak got a few minutes, between two and five minutes, to talk about their um, their agenda, what they think the FDA should do. And the focus really was on safety and what do we know about the safety of cannabidiol and in the various forms in which it may be used. Now, if you haven't been following this topic, here's a very brief overview. Cannabidiol is an extract of hemp. Hemp, of course, being a form of cannabis. It has been illegal in the United States to grow hemp since 1937. And with the passage of the 2018 Farm Bill, Congress clarified this and said, hemp, as defined in the statute, is legal, as are extracts of hemp. And that is the hemp plant at a THC level of 0.3% or less, THC being, of course, the compound that causes people to get high. And that's the main difference between hemp and its illustrious cousin, marijuana, right? So CBD from hemp is legal at the federal level, and the states really have a patchwork of laws, and we can talk about all of that another day. But um, for, from FDA's perspective, the Farm Bill didn't really change FDA's, uh, expressly did not change FDA's position, which was CBD from any source is a drug. And this is all because they had approved a drug called Epidiolex in mid-2018. So since then, FDA has engaged in some enforcement on CBD-containing products, uh, particularly those that have aggressive health claims such as treating cancer or treating Alzheimer's or something like this, but otherwise has just issued some guidance and sort of stayed relatively out of the enforcement uh, picture. Meanwhile, the market has proliferated to the point that the Hemp Business Journal is projecting a $450 million CBD market in the U.S. through 2020. So what I wanted to do for today's uh, podcast episode was just uh, give you some key takeaways from FDA's May 31st public meeting in case you didn't have a chance to view it. It will be posted on FDA's website. Um, we also posted a blog entry at our FDA blog, uh, www.fooddruglaw.com. But if you don't have time for that, just take a listen here and here are my top five, five takeaways. So first, the focus was on ingestibles. As we expected, FDA's main concern with respect to CBD, it has been on ingestible products and that was the focus of Friday, last Friday's discussion. There were a few speakers and a couple of questions from FDA's panel regarding topical products, whether those would be cosmetic products or some kind of over-the-counter drug that is mixed with um, a, an ingredient that is recognized to provide some sort of relief, but primarily questions and comments related to ingestible products, so foods or dietary supplements and the like. One speaker did identify himself as being in the CBD beauty industry, 
But this gentleman was unable to substantively answer what benefit he believed CBD provided in a beauty product or what support he had that there was any benefit at all. There was also one person from AFCO, which is the sort of quasi-governmental regulating body for pet food and, and animal feed that referenced a growing market for hemp pet treats and CBD pet treats, but noted that there has been market restraint with respect to adding CBD to actual animal feed. And I think this is likely because of the uh, state level regulation around introduction of new animal feeds and the requirements to get those approved, whereas treats um, can be you know, introduced more easily. So that was kind of the focus of the discussion. Moving on to takeaway number two, there was overwhelming call for predictable pathway to market and regulation. So there was universal concern amongst the large consumer health product trade associations, such as the Consumer Health Products Association, the Council for Responsible Nutrition, Natural Products Association, and the um, Herbal Products Association, as well as some manufacturers, that the CBD industry is really out of control, that we are in a Wild West period with CBD, and that there is broad variance in product quality including levels of CBD, levels of THC, and contaminants such as lead, pesticides, and what have you. And they consistently urge the FDA to provide a predictable pathway and to actively regulate in this space, including by enforcing good manufacturing practices, requiring companies to use quality testing standards, adverse event reporting, and what have you. They really want the rules to be out there and clear to everybody such that you can't have some bad actors who are cowboying it and potentially spoiling the pond for everybody else. So takeaway number three is that this all needs to happen quickly and time is of the essence. So along with the desirable, the, excuse me, the desire for a predictable pathway, a lot of speakers were very concerned that the three to five year time frame that FDA had previously referenced to potentially make a new regulation to allow CBD in foods and dietary supplements is simply not realistic given how quickly this market is growing. Some stakeholders urged the FDA to issue guidance and some simply said, God, you just need to move quicker than three to five years to make a new regulation. And others simply said, you already have the framework that you need in the Food, Drug and Cosmetic Act and in DSHEA. And you can simply use these standards and go ahead and regulate now, but you need to do something and you need to do it quickly. Now, of these various options, I think that what FDA ultimately decides to do will depend very much on the strength of the evidence that is submitted into the docket in terms of safety, cumulative effects of ingesting or using CBD in various forms. So what if you are ingesting it in the form of gummies and you're also using a patch or something like this? What does that mean for overall levels and potential toxicity and safety, potential drug interactions and dose response understanding and what have you? I think once FDA has a chance to look at the research that is out there, they all have some clarity into which of these pathways makes the most sense from a public health perspective. Now, for those of you who are familiar with this area, you probably know that the World Health Organization issued a report saying CBD is at low risk for addiction, there's low risk of side effects, there is some nascent research out there that shows that it is effective for certain conditions, pain relief and different things like that. This was referenced by some of the speakers and frankly, I was surprised it wasn't a bigger part of the discussion, although I'm sure it will be in the written submissions. 
So those are our first three points, the focus on ingestibles, the request for a predictable pathway, and that time is really of the, the essence. Fourth takeaway was that more research is urgently needed because consumers are experimenting on themselves. A number of physicians and researchers testified that we need more research into issues such as liver toxicity, the cumulative effects of ingestion from multiple sources or even just use from multiple sources. So I referenced earlier, it could be in a patch form or a topical form. Drug interactions, what do we know about interactions between CBD and any, any commonly used or not so commonly used drugs? And then dose effect response relationships. Also in conjunction with CBD and medical cannabis, a number of research researchers expressed frustration at the limited supply chain. So the University of Mississippi right now has a monopoly on um, growing marijuana for research purposes and the gating steps that you have to go through to conduct research when consumers are already experimenting with products on themselves. I would encourage anyone listening to this podcast to go ahead and check out Consumer Reports website. They did a terrific uh, survey. It was a nationally representative survey of over a thousand people asking them about CBD usage over the past couple of years and had some really surprising findings, such as that 26% of people had used CBD over the last two years. People used it for pain relief, for sleep, for lots of different conditions, and generally found it to be very effective. Um, you know, how persuasive will that be in terms of FDA's ultimate decision-making? I don't know, because it is just a survey. It's not a clinical study. But from a, um, the, the perspective of someone who's just watching this market to see who's in it and how are they getting these products, I found it fascinating. So point number five is the anecdotal information that was, that was offered is, of course, very interesting. But what we really want to watch for in terms of what is submitted to the docket is the data. So FDA's questions to the various speakers related largely to the degree of scientific support for benefits, side effects, adverse events and and what have you. And this is exactly what you would expect from the nation's premier public health agency. There were lots of stories of remarkable health improvements relating to CBD offered up by practitioners, by parents of children who um, have, have used Epidiolex and seen miraculous improvements in their various forms of epilepsy. And there were some very sad stories relating to people who had bad experiences with marijuana or took products who, um, which were contaminated with different um, adulterants. These are interesting. They were fascinating to hear, and some of them were, frankly, heart-wrenching. But in terms of what to watch for uh, as we see the co submissions come in on FDA's docket, I think the, the ones that involve data, and particularly safety data, are the ones that will be most of interest to the agency. So those are my five key takeaways from last Friday's public meeting with uh, at the FDA regarding CBD. We are regularly reporting on this topic on fooddruglaw.com, so check us out there for all the latest uh, with respect to C, B, and D. Thanks very much. Bye.